0: Say to us this morning. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your surrender. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that is with us now. I pray, Lord, that we just stay in a space where you are so tangible where you want to download new revelations to us this morning I just thank you for your servant Clay who you will speak through this morning that there would be meat that we will grab hold of chew over and allow to saturate our, our spirit allow us to soak in everything that you have for us. Open our eyes and open our ears this morning to hear from you. You're God Almighty and we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. Mm.
2: My name is Clay, and I am hungry, which is a common state of affairs. Oh, what have we got here? You guys really should eat in the cafe, definitely. This is amazing. Fried tomatoes, eggs, bacon, fried mushrooms, croissants, Kranskis. Oh. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Your toast? Mmm. Fresh orange juice, coffee. Looks good. Smells good. You probably can't smell it, but it smells really good. Mmm. But um, you know what? I actually feel like um some milk. Oh yeah, that's good. Oh, that's really good. Surely it's better than that. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's quite fulfilling. Hmm. Yeah, I don't need that. I'm all right. I think I need a number four teat. Maybe it's a a bit tough. <laughs> okay, it's. It's a pretty absurd illustration, I know, but we do that every week spiritually. All the time, we have the most amazing spread laid out for us, or nicely picked away for us in God's Word, and we choose to stick with milk day in, day out. Excuse me, I actually haven't had breakfast. (laughs) The writer of Hebrews phrased it like this in chapter 5 from verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to be distinguishing good from evil. When the psalmist wrote, taste and see that the Lord is good, he didn't mean this. This is not what he had in mind. In his book, Everything Must Change... Postmodern theologian Brian McLaren tells of a trip to teach at a conference in Burundi, uh, an East African country, which the World Bank pretty much consistently ranks the second poorest uh, nation in the world. Uh, The young leader who had invited him to fly to Africa and speak uh, was a a local social justice activist called Claude uh, Nkondiha, who had founded an organisation called Amaharo in, in Africa. And this was a network uh, and resource point for African leaders involved in innovative ministries for uh, disciple-making communities, and they emphasised justice and mercy. But this is how this this young uh, leader opened the conference. He said, friends, most of you know me. You know that I am the son of a preacher. And as a result, I grew up going to church all the time, maybe five times a week. What may surprise you, though, is to learn that in all of my childhood, in all the church services I attended, I only heard one sermon. At this, eyes got larger and people seemed curious, maybe confused. One sermon in all that time? He continued, that sermon went like this. You were a sinner and you were going to hell. You need to repent and believe in Jesus. Jesus might come back today, and if he does and you are not ready... You will burn forever in hell. Five times a week. Every week. At that, almost everyone began to laugh. They weren't laughing at the idea of going to hell or the idea of believing in Jesus. They were laughing in recognition that this was the only sermon that they had ever heard as well. Sunday after Sunday, year after year, different words, different Bible verses, but the same point. Then Claude got serious. When I got older, I realised that my entire life had been lived against the backdrop of genocide and violence, poverty and corruption. Over a million people died in my country in a series of genocides starting in 1959 and nearly a million in Rwanda. In spite of huge amounts of foreign aid, our people remain poor and many of them hungry. This is the experience we have all shared. And around the room, people lean forward, their heads nodding. So many death, so much death, so many uh, hateful things, and distrust between tribes. So much poverty, suffering, corruption, and injustice, and nothing has ever really changed. Eventually, I realized something: I had never heard a sermon that addresses these realities. Did God only care about our souls going to heaven after we died? Were our hungry bellies unimportant to God? Was God unconcerned about our crying sons and frightened daughters, our mothers hiding under beds, our fathers crouching by windows, unable to sleep because of gunfire? Or did God send Jesus to teach us how to avoid genocide by learning to love each other, how to overcome tribalism and poverty by following his path, how to deal with injustice and corruption, how to make a better life here on earth, here in East Africa? Claude continued, over the years I have come to realize that something is wrong with the way we understand Jesus and the good news. Something is missing in the version of the Christian religion we received from the missionaries, which is the message we now preach ourselves. They told us how to go to heaven, but they left out an important detail. They didn't tell us how the will of God could be done on earth. We need to learn what the message of Jesus says to our situation here in East Africa. And that is why we have come together. That would have been a cool conference to go to. What we need to realise, friends, is that is not just the situation in East Africa. Many of us have grown up in churches and heard what we could call gospel-like. It's the 99% fat-free gospel gospel. We have been raised on milk, not the riches, the richness of Jesus' full kingdom message. You now, I'm sure this is a given, but the milk, that's important. Oh my goodness, I mean, having, I'm raising two little girls myself. And uh, for those first six months, milk is what kept them going. But they've grown up now. They, can, they eat everything that we eat. I use back on the chili, but pretty much they eat everything that, that I eat. We need to grow up as well. Without the full kingdom message, we are left with a faith that is weedy and malnourished, often religious and largely ineffectual. A message that might technically save us in the eternal sense, but will hardly transform us to become kingdom people. And this is what God has destined us to be. The book title, Everything Must Change, comes from a woman that Brian McLaren met in Rwanda who had lived through all the trauma of genocide in the early 1990s. And she realized that most of the people who had participated in the Rwandan genocide were churchgoers. They were church people. In fact, Rwanda, uh, in a a conference a few years earlier, had been lifted up as a model for African evangelization because so much of the nation, more than any other African country, were committed church-going Christians. But then, these church-going people turned on their neighbors They were churchgoers, but their understanding of the gospel was not sufficient to transform their understanding of identity and tribalism. So their tribalism trumped their Christian identity. Brian McLaren says that he saw similar things happening in America, that race, in some cases, would trump people's Christian identity, that politics and economics would trump their Christian identity. So the church going, the the Christian identity was somewhere in there, but all these other things defined them more. This woman said, if the good news of the kingdom of God is true, then everything must change. And so that's what he called his book. Surely following Christ means everything must change. And I have no doubt that she was right. I mean, the changes that we need in our churches, whether it's in Rwanda or here in Wellington, are not superficial and simple, like changing the style of music or where we put the seats. The changes we need re- uh, require us to go deep into ourselves, deep into the Word, and get a fresh revelation of the original gospel, the gospel that Jesus preached and lived Now my purpose this morning is not to cause any offence or place labels upon anyone and it may well be that much or some of what I say you don't think even really applies to you. But please do me this favour and give God a chance to speak to you and through his word this morning. And Before we go on, let's ask ourselves this question. What impact does my Christian faith really have On the world around me. Let me tell you a little bit about the faith I was raised in. I've uh, grown up my whole life until recently uh, quite conservative evangelical churches, Baptist and Brethren. Solid. In fact, I shouldn't really say that without holiness. Baptist and Brethren. Oh yeah, I got strong roots And uh, these uh, churches, if they weren't always really well organised They were certainly very well systematised Good systems, good uh, doctrinal systems for teaching uh, God's word Uh, And there were checklists for everything And uh, lots of acrostics Baptists are pretty good at acrostics And they're really helpful for remembering stuff Uh, Like how do you get saved? So uh, the ABCs of getting saved are accept you're a sinner, believe Jesus died for your sins, and commit your life to him. ABC. Awesome. Um, How to be a good Christian. Oh, this is great. Church attendance, definitely. Read the Bible. That probably should be at the top. Um, Offerings. Uh, Share your faith and speak to God. Yeah, that's prayer, but the P didn't really fit in the acrostic, see? So this is probably the way that God intended it. Um, now, it might sound kind of like a mocking, uh, but I do actually appreciate my roots. Um, but this this isn't really stretching the truth. This is really how it was. And I, uh, I started as a youth pastor in this environment, and I used this stuff big time. It's important um, to grab hold of these doctrines and walk around with them so that you've got the knowledge in your head. The Western Church is very good at reducing the messages of Jesus down to a few pithy slogans uh, or a short list of SMART goals. And the great thing about SMART goals is you can measure your achievement. And who doesn't like a a good graph to plot their progress? So there's graphs as well. Um, and, And... the graph that we, we are working towards should look exactly like this You start off like as an atheist Not everyone does But um, you, maybe you start a couple in But we'll, for the sake of this exercise we'll start an atheist But as you, as you move along um, The next step you'll Well you're sceptical Maybe there is, maybe there's not Probably not but it's a step closer To whatever's down there Next is um, well you're a seeker Well you have a sense now that there is something there And you want to check it out Next, um, well, you, you get converted, you um, go back to your ABCs, you do the ABC thing, you get converted, and then um, you're a regular attendee, um, you're doing this, you're good at this now, you can come along. Next, um, tither, um, yep, that's, uh, you guys all tithing? We can, we've got forms. Um, next. Next, um, you're uh, you're serving, you're involved, you're helping us around the community doing, you know, churchy stuff, that's good. Uh, Next, um, well, after that, you've done that for a while, you might be invited into a position of leadership, um, so you can head a team. And then, um, wow, now you're really cutting the mustard here. Woo! On pastoral team, oh, that's a, well, God's really happy with you. And um, next, who knows, there's... um, in this country, anything's possible, you know, and um, so that's that's great. You're in the very special holy club, then. Um, so um, I think that's, there's actually a name for this, but this is the Engels scale. This is you know this is this is this is legit stuff. Um, I'm not sure if bishops on the Engels scale, but extreme big people. Um, when you examine the teachings of Jesus. Of course, you don't find uh, a graph um, or uh, a list, anything like that. And it turns out that Jesus doesn't carry around checklists and audit his disciples' performance every quarter. Um, it's quite interesting having my performance audited on pastoral staff uh, and having to meet my KPIs. Um, yeah, it gets, it gets mixed up. Christian author and pastor John Ortberg recounts when I was growing up if someone asked me how is your spiritual life going my mind immediately went to what uh, was called uh, a quiet time. If my quiet times were regular and long I would rate my spiritual life highly. I rated my spiritual life in terms of my devotional practice. For those of you not sure what a quiet time is, it's just a time that you spend with God each day. You kind of book it in, maybe early in the morning, maybe give him half an hour, read a bit of Bible, pray a little bit. That's your quiet time. And if you do that regularly, you kind of feel pretty spiritual and onto it. And that's certainly how uh, John Ortberg felt. But in Jesus' day, the people who would have rated highest on devotional practice were the Pharisees. The religious teachers of whom Jesus said, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Commitment is not the same thing as Christ-likeness. In fact, where people's primary focus is on commitment, pride is often very close behind it. Where the primary focus is on Christ, commitment no longer seems like a heroic thing. It just happens the main measure of devotion to God is not your devotional life it 's your life, but don't like don't we like just to cut everything up, our work life, our home life, our hobby life, and in there oh we 've got to put our devotional life no it's the whole thing. Everything must change. If in your Monday to Saturday you were becoming more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled, then this demonstrates that the Spirit is alive in you. And you are growing under His influence into the image of Jesus. The true sign of growing spiritual maturity is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, hanging from your life and bringing grace and flavor to those who encounter you. The fact of the matter is you can be a regular church attendee, you can tithe your income to the church, even lead a life group, and not be maturing spiritually, not growing in love and faith. As a pastor employed here at The Rock, I would love to see this place full, both services every Sunday. In fact, we've got to start a third. And everyone tithing. That would just make everything easier. In fact, if this place emptied out and people stopped giving, I'd be looking for a new job. No, she would. You're laughing at my plight. But that is not what it is about. Attendance and giving need to be the fruit of a heart transformed by the Spirit to live for the kingdom and not driven by guilt or a religious spirit. But I would love it if we never spoke on tithing ever again. Because we no need to, because people just want to give to God and to his kingdom. I don't want to compel anyone to do any of these things. The Pharisees compelled people to live religiously. 1 Corinthians 13 made it clear that any religious practice or spiritual power that is not expressed in love is worth nothing. Paul said, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Matthew 7, Jesus is teaching about how you can recognize a true prophet. And he says that you will recognize the prophet by their fruit. And he finishes his point by saying in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away you evildoers. Do you know what that means? That means that prophecy and deliverance ministry and miracles are not necessarily the fruit of a true prophet or a true follower of Jesus. What is then... The true fruit its the character of Jesus, radiant in our lives. That is the real test. We teach people to be saved by grace, but we don't often teach people how to live by grace. And that is the food that we have got to get into us. We have a responsibility under God as your pastors to teach you the deeper things of the faith. We carry the same commission that Jesus gave Peter in John 21 to feed the sheep, to feed the lambs. The Bible is our food. This is what we want to give you every week. But if this is the only meal That you have this week Do you seriously think That that's going to sustain you And grow you One meal a week Would you go home from this And have nothing Until next Sunday And just hope you get through Because you know physically That'd kill you But we do it spiritually We strangle ourselves One meal a week Or maybe one good meal here And then maybe a few sips few sips during the week, maybe you'll survive, but you won't grow. You're probably aware that we've been kind of got moving into a new direction as God has been bringing new revelation to uh, our leaders and elders what we've come to understand is that God has some new food for us. This food has always been there, but we've just kind of avoided it, put it to the other side of the plate, maybe just left it in the fridge. But the time is now. and God has some new, delicious food for us to try. And uh, just like when you're uh, well trying anything new, going to a new ethnic restaurant or trying something perhaps you thought as a child you weren't really into. It takes faith and a little bit of courage to give it a go. Because there are good things that God has in store for us. But we've got to give it a go. Now I'll be the first to tell you that I don't want you just to swallow anything that people throw at you and just take it as gospel. We need to carry the same spirit as the Bereans who received the word gladly, but then tested everything they heard according to the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. So that's, that's the spirit we carry as well. I'm going to receive this gladly. I'm going to check this out. I'm going I'm to take whatever, whatever's going to come, but I'm going to show some discernment, test things spiritually. Engage with the Holy Spirit and test things in the Word. And those things that I see are true, and God wants to confirm this in you. Those things, I am going to just get as much of that as I can. In the first Psalm, David writes, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the Word of God, and on his Word he meditates day and night. This word of God, it's our food, people. We need to be in it every day. When I say that, I don't mean that you have got to block out this one time, your quiet time, and establish a religious ritual that you can tick off every day. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is way beyond quiet times. I'm talking about connecting with God in a meaningful way letting his spirit and his word teach us throughout the day. The idea of a quiet time in the morning, the reason why it's a good idea is because grabbing a piece of God's word and a little piece of his heart at the start of the day gives you something to chew over for the rest of the day. It gives him a chance to speak to you and work in you throughout your day. So there's like you've been seasoned with grace and God can minister to you as you go about your, your day. That's why it's kind of cool, but... I don't want to be setting up new rituals for people. Mostly what this is about is carrying a spirit that I want to be engaging with God all the time. I remember uh, Johnny preached a a message once uh, that was focused on the idea of um, being um, mindful of the spirit all times. And he had this uh, this true story about a woman who was... uh, experimenting with God in certain ways and really asking God to to come into her life in a new and powerful way. And somehow the story ends up with God putting some kind of bird on this woman's shoulder. And she ends up walking around the place and this bird will not leave her shoulder. And I think it was a big bird, like a parrot or something. It's really weird. And you'd be very embarrassed if it happened to you. But it's like she'd go to the mall, go shopping, and this bird sitting on her shoulder like a pirate or something. It's But anyway, I'm not asking God to do that to me, that's for sure. But but anyway, what God was trying to tell this, teach this woman was this idea that the Holy Spirit is just as present in our lives as this bird clamped on her shoulder the whole time. Everywhere she went, the bird was with her. And the Holy Spirit is the same for us, with us, always. And so the, the learning for her was you need to recognize that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you and engage with the Holy Spirit and be mindful of his presence constantly. Because, let's be honest, would a few things change in your life if you were as mindful of the Holy Spirit being on your shoulder as she was of that bird? A few things you might maybe pull back on a little bit. If you were as mindful of the Holy Spirit with you as she was of that bird, I'm not too proud to admit there'd be a few things I might want to pull in a bit. So what this really is about is us deciding whether we want something better than what we have now. If you want a deeper relationship with him, if you want a faith that actually changes your life, you know it's going to take a little bit. It means you've got to take some initiative. It means you've just got to eat better, eat more. You want to grow? Eat better, eat more. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to taste new things. My revelation of him is so limited. I want to see more. I want to experience more. So I want to take everything he has to offer. Whether it's here on a Sunday or any other day. And maybe if you join me in that as a church, we will grow into something amazing. So maybe we'll try something new next week. How does that sound? Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us. And I just want to recognize right now that every good thing that we have comes from you. It comes from the above, from the Father of the heavenly lights. Lord, you are good and you shower your children with wonderful gifts. What father Lord would would give his son a stone when he asked for bread? You are not this Father, Lord, you give us amazing things. And I pray, Lord, that we would take everything that comes from your hand. Lord, I pray that you would give us a hunger for exotic foods, for new things, a passion for everything that, that you would want to give us. I pray Lord you'd give us a vision of ourselves that is bigger than who we are now, that is more faithful than who we are now, that is more loving. I pray you give us a vision of ourselves, Lord, fully immersed in your kingdom, fully representing who you are. And I pray, Lord, that you'd lead us on that path. So I pray, Lord, that hunger within us, those pangs which start to really just kick in, and we'd know that that hole is only filled by your word. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be known as religious people, that we wouldn't be known necessarily as great Bible readers, but we wouldn't be known as people who are hungry for God, people who represent the nature and likeness of Christ in the way we live. These things, Lord, are only accomplished by your Spirit. So I pray, Lord, that you would do this work in us and humble us, Lord, to seek what you want for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is it all right? I shared a very similar message to that um, about 18 months ago. I'm just talking through with Greg um, early this week, just thought with what is what we are moving into at the moment, that it would be good to hear some of those things again. So uh, have a think about that. And just before I just hand it off to Simon just to close, I just wanted to add my personal uh, endorsement to uh, the services that we have coming up next week and the week after, uh, particularly at night. So uh, we just wanted, to just recognise that uh, with a lot of uh, extra visitors that we have uh, in New Zealand at the moment, but also uh, uh, just the festive atmosphere there is around the uh, the World Cup that could be a pretty cool opportunity for us to get people together, celebrate things as a family, but most importantly, an opportunity to preach gospel. So the purpose of the next two Sunday evening services is to create an environment where we can share gospel, okay? share Christ. So uh, our services are going to be tailored towards that. Um, I'm programming these with some of my friends here, and uh, the way I'm approaching this is how Can I create an environment where where my friends, where my family could come here and receive faith? And they could see the body of Christ in a loving way, see that we love fun, that we love each other, and that we love Jesus. So those are the services we're pulling together. We're going to be sharing gospel, we're sharing testimonies, uh, some from some international rugby players. um, And it's also going to be a family time as well. We'll be sharing a big meal together. and, um, And yeah, we'll watch the footy after that on the big screen. And the way we're pulling the whole thing together is I'm kind of thinking, what kind of place would I want to be watching the game at? What kind of event could I pull together that my mates would say, nah, I'm not going to the fan zone. I'm going to the rock. So um, I'm slaving over this. I want it to be awesome. Uh, so I just really want to just put my personal invitation, come to come to this. Help us create an awesome atmosphere. Even if you don't bring anyone, let's show them who the rock is. okay? Uh, but this... That's what it's about. So you're thinking now, who can I bring? Neighbours, workmates, friends, family, who can I bring to this? Um, yeah, it's not going to be a cringe fest. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it will. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's that, that's our heart for that. So um, we've got a few flies, um, I think, out there. Grab some of those. You can use them as invites. And uh, yeah, Simon, thanks guys.
0: Very cool. We've got a uh, uh, prayer uh, ministry team that would love to uh, pray with you if you have uh, needs uh, just after the service. Uh, our new friends lunch is going to kick off in a in a wee bit. So if it's your first time here today, or if you've only been coming the last sort of. Six to eight weeks, we'd love to, to see you. Come and meet the staff, uh, life group leaders, elders, and, uh, and everyone uh, would be uh, very welcoming there. So come and join us for that. We've got Chris Logan coming and speaking tonight. So, really looking forward to that. Bless you guys. Have an awesome rest of your day. Bless you.
1: Blessing.